Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to the HP Podcast, the show about video games where the points are made up and they don't matter. Man, I can never remember that line because I never think about it before I start to say it. Uh, I want to be Drew Carey on Who's Let Us Anyway. <laughs> the rules are made up and the points don't matter. The rules are made up and the points don't matter. We see we don't even have rules, so they really are made up. Dave, hello. Thank you for correcting me. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? It's good to see you both. I'm doing um, fantastically, which I think is a word. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little worried because because like I I jumped into our 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 recording tonight and and the first thing I heard before my eyes even had time to register was just a train yeah. barreling through. Yeah. <laughs> um, little inside baseball, as Ben likes to say it. For those of you who don't know, uh, Ben lives like in a train station apparently. So like when no, a train I live goes on a train, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Oh, uh, it's it's loud. It's real loud. It's funny because it's actually not as loud to me and because I'm wearing headphones as it is to the people who can hear it through my mic for some reason. And like, I don't hear it as loud either because I have my own volume, like kind of turned down a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's um, I live pretty close to a train. It's not that I live that close to the train. It's that I live that close to the crossing. So they're like required by law to honk their horn uh, as as it were three times before they cross over. And like, there's a bunch of rules and laws you can you can like try to appeal that and get it changed and make it so your crossing doesn't. It's a whole thing, and I don't think it would even fly here. But either way, I do have a train, so sometimes I'm just like on a podcast, and I'm just like, yeah, no, no, let me finish up my point real quick. Okay, next, and then like you know, if if, if that ever happens, you you know why. <laughs> Brandon, what's up? Hello, the the audience cannot see you right now. Um, you know, maybe someday in the future they'll be able to see you. But right now I can see you and your hair is just more red than normal. Orange as fuck. Dude, it's so it's like it's or it's like a carrot. Dude, I'm leaning into it. I got this um Elgato Light Pro and I I got a little bit of warmth on me now. Yeah. Um so I'm feeling good today. I had a stuffed pepper, a frozen stuffed pepper. It was awful. Um but I'm feeling good. I'm <laughs> feeling full, dude. Now, Brandon, you mentioned the Elgato light, and I feel like it would be, you know, we, we don't need to, you're not getting real heavy into it. Sure. But just as like a little slight follow-up, 
you did stream this week. I did. Yeah, I did stream a bit of Deep Rock Galactic. Um, a game I knew. Wanted to just hop in and fuck around for a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think it went pretty well. I have no idea what I'm doing in OBS, and I'm definitely going to be asking a bunch of questions yeah, yeah. Um, to you, Ben. Um, but yeah, it was pretty fun. It, it was pretty was, fun. It was so. funny because I saw... So on my, <laughs> yeah. old, on my old Twitch account, I must have followed you for some reason, even though you didn't stream at the time. And so I was sitting at a Mexican restaurant with Duddy, uh, Duddy, Dustin and our buddy, uh, Matt. And I saw, I got this email that came through that said glorious ginger was live. And I was like, what? And so I pulled it up on my new account so I could follow you, but I couldn't talk because I was at the Mexican restaurant and Dustin goes, dude, great. Like nice, nice work helping him on getting that started. I was like, I didn't help him. Brandon's actually a genius. No, even though you said no, you were going to need all this help, you got it going yourself. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I wouldn't say it was easy, but just like physically doing it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So yeah. um, it's nothing pretty. That's for damn sure. But we got off and running. So we're Let's one go. step closer. One step closer. And you have now fulfilled half of that resolution That's, for the I year. mean, technically, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I might I might need to like up it without changing anything. I don't know. Yeah. Two. Two seems kind of low now. I did stream for a little over an hour, which I guess is a fine amount of time to stream. But yeah, I mean, I think that as part of your two, like we didn't set any time requirements, but I think that that it needed to be like at least minimum an hour. So you you have fulfilled that technically. Yeah. Like I don't want you going live for five minutes and pretending like that. Sure. No, else, no, you know? no. That that just wouldn't be right. I am the judge, jury, and executioner of our <laughs> New Year's gaming resolutions. Damn, uh, just so everyone knows. Those well, rules are not made up and those points do not. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's where we draw the line. Yeah. Wait until you guys see this, the uh, the grading metric that I, I came up with. It'll, oh, shit. it'll be wild. Uh, I did not do that just for clarification <laughs> uh, for everybody who was wondering. Well, boys, it's good to see you this week. Uh, we're here to talk about some video games and video game related things. If you're not familiar with the show, this is the HP podcast. We are a group of three handsome men. They go by the name of the handsomephantom.com. You can uh, sign up on Patreon if you want to hear the podcast a day early and get ad-free access to it as well. And you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. That's right. One dollar a whole freaking month. If you don't want to sign up, or if you do, you can go over and join our Patreon, or I'm sorry, our Discord over at handsomephantom.com slash Discord. Hang on out with the boys if you are a three dollar member and higher, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to push the money thing because, like, we we appreciate our supporters, but it's not why we do this. Um, we just came out with a new episode of HP After Dark. This used to be a monthly show. I think we're going to try to transition it back into a monthly show. But there's a brand new episode of HP After Dark out. Just came out for three dollars and up. We will release that a month later for everybody. And if you've never even heard of the show. There are uh, 21 episodes that are live for you right now to go and listen to. It's our it's our monthly show or our old monthly show that will become <laughs> a monthly show again where we just talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. Nothing to do with video games. That's what this show's for. And if we miss that month, Mark, we'll have to be sure to issue an apology letter on on Cyberpunk Letterhead. Yes. Yeah. To, you know. Yeah. I actually have one already written up uh, just in case. Uh, I think there's a template on Twitter you could just use. That you yeah. Just, you, yeah. You just, yeah. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's a little bit about us. But if you want to help support us, it's a uh, it's like twenty five cents an episode. If you want to just hang out and listen, we appreciate that. Podcast service reviews over on iTunes, that kind of stuff. That's all nice. We appreciate that, boys. Let's talk about some video games 
or really it's about some video game news. Number one, during its second quarter 2023 financial report, Activision Blizzard revealed that PC is currently a more profitable platform than both Xbox Series X and PS5. Now, for the first six months of the year, PC generated $1.25 billion, while all consoles combined made $1.19 billion in the same period. However, mobile remains the most lucrative for the company, bringing in $1.9 million. That's absolutely insane. Interestingly, both the Diablo series and Call of Duty have, a tr- have contributed to the success of PC. Call of Duty in particular has more players on PC than on PlayStation and Xbox. Despite microtransactions in these games, the Xbox versions have been solid in, form- in terms of technical performance. And I will say um, that it is amazing how I wrote that and immediately afterwards saw another article about how bad this current season of Call of Duty is. <laughs> I, I just could not believe it. But generally, the PC has been the most stable on those games. Um, Activision Blizzard is not the only publisher seeing higher profits on PC. Capcom has also stated that PC is more profitable for them than consoles. It seems that many games from both publishers perform extremely well on the PC platform. As PC continues to show strong profitability for game publishers, it's likely we'll see more microtransactions and games as a service features in their future games. Not that we don't see them enough already. So, Brandon, uh, I wanted to talk with you. It's really no secret. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why PC is hugely profitable. One, you just have such a larger install base. But it is really interesting to see that, you know, we have all these companies vying for you know, marketing exclusivity for their console, and yet yeah. they're not nearly as profitable as PC market. What do you think yeah, about that? It's really crazy, and honestly, it makes you wonder um, about some of these PC games coming out recently, and when things like this come out and you see the money that's to be made on a platform like PC, you really wonder why some of the tender loving care that is put into console ports, well, everything is a console port, I guess, because it's made yeah. on PC, right. but you just wonder why some of the things kind of slip through the cracks in the end with PC. I mean, you made a video on it, Ben. It's just PC gaming is, it's kind of fallen. I mean, it's no, it's nothing out of the ordinary ordinary nowadays for something to come out broken, but it feels like it happens all the time on PC. I mean, Star Wars, which I'm sure has been fixed. Maybe Dave can speak on that. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's playing it on PC, but I don't know if you heard anything. But yeah, it's just a really interesting thing to see that all the money is to be made here, but it doesn't feel like that's like being expressed in the way the games are coming out. Dave, uh, your thoughts on PC being the biggest market, at least for Activision and seems like Capcom, as well as uh, your, your thoughts on the mobile market for, for Activision. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to think that this is a, a pretty fair representation of the rest of the market, considering this is Activision Blizzard and then Capcom kind of echoes a, a similar sentiment. Those are two pretty big hitters. Um, I was surprised to hear about this, not so much about the Diablo piece, because I think that's been a game that people have traditionally played and associated with the PC platform. I think people just kind of enjoy playing it on a mouse and keyboard a little bit more. There's a nostalgia piece there, too. Um, the Call of Duty th- is there for sure. Yeah, yeah. The Call of Duty thing though really surprised me. Um, and I mean, after I read this write up that you did here, I, I was I was trying to make sense of it in my head because I always kind of associated Call of Duty as like a console first thing. But I'm wondering if maybe like the onset of of Warzone, which was like 
ultra competitive kind of led to Call of Duty being a little bit more of uh, a PC first thing because, you know, you want that competitive advantage that you get from mouse and keyboard. Um, obviously, there's cheating and stuff like that, that, that you know, is, is much more prevalent on PC, which I know that sounds like it's not a selling feature, but for people who want to do that stuff, it is. But yeah, I was just really surprised to hear this, that it was so much further ahead. I think the difference was like, I don't know, $800 million between PC and console. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That's, I, I guess if there, it's, it, it wasn't really clear if, if, if they were talking about net profits or just pure revenue, because uh, you know, if they're, if they're talking about money that's been made, then it, it seems obvious that in, in this case, PC would, would, would be a lot more profitable because it's just, these days it's purely digital distribution. Like there isn't really any physical when it comes to PC anymore. Right. I guess this means that storefronts like steam, um, steam and Epic's game store and stuff like that are, are taking far less of a cut. Maybe that's part of it, but yeah. And I don't know, even just to put it further in perspective with, with the mobile pieces you mentioned, like that's almost double <laughs> the, the profits that are, yeah. you know, if you combine PC and console, like uh, it's, it's, it's not far off from, from what mobile is bringing in. And, and it's crazy because most of those games are free to play. So that's purely in-game revenues that are generating those monster profits. So I was really surprised to hear this, particularly because of Call of Duty, but I guess that's just kind of where things have gone. Also got to keep in mind that this generation of consoles were, were really hard to come by for a long time. And I feel like, PC gaming and building your own PC kind of had a bit of a renaissance in the last three years. Of course, GPUs became really hard to, to come by. So right. I think that's slowed it down a bit, but I don't know. I feel like it's the cool thing to build your own PC now and it has been for a few years. So that's part of it as well. But um, yeah, it really interesting numbers here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if this is the case for the rest of the industry. Dave, you mentioned you didn't know if that was gross or net. That is by all accounts profit because it the way they clarified on their sheet is net revenues by platform. My God. Uh, so of course net is, you know, the, generally what they are considering profit. I'm sure there's some things that still that aren't speci- specifically in that category. I don't but think yeah, developers make enough money. <laughs> oh man. I know those are huge margins. <laughs> so if you count net revenues for the first six months of the year between console PC they, they classify it as mobile and ancillary, which I don't know what that means, but, and then other, which again, I don't know what that is. Maybe like, I guess they probably have like some fire TV apps or something for Bejeweled or whatever their candy crush, I guess it is. Uh, it's 4.59. So almost $4.6 billion profits for the year. Uh, and that is actually slightly down from the six months before that. It's not down by a lot, but it's down by a little bit. So yeah, really interesting stuff. Now, Brandon, we talked a lot about, uh, and the and the industry has talked a lot about how the Activision, uh, Activision, Activision, I don't know, something something like that. Activision acquisition. There we go. I finally got it said. We talked a lot about how that kind of played into. Um, not only them wanting to buy the games and the, the IP, but also them wanting to get a hold of the mobile market. And if you look at the numbers, you know what I have written here and what I'm looking at, $1.9 billion in profit from Activision mobile games. Yeah, that's... <laughs> now, granted, you know, we've, 
not we've not only got Candy Crush, which is what we all like to point to, and of course sure. that's King that does that. We've also got Call of Duty Mobile, and even though yeah. they're not the main developer of that, they've got you know the other team that works on that. Like they're still reaping many many benefits from it. Yeah, I just we always you know back ten years ago probably talked a lot about how mobile gaming was going to become the future, and to some extent with cloud gaming and stuff like that, it is starting to turn into that for certain uh, subsets of people. Mm-hmm. But that's it's making more money than PC, which is their second most profitable area. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. There's no questioning the mobile market being an absolute giant. Um, and this is just a small glimpse into the massive world of mobile. Um, both of those are nothing to be messed with. Um, you know, it's shocking, like Dave said, that PC is close enough to it. I wouldn't have assumed that either. But um, yeah, dude, Call of Duty Mobile is also nothing to forget about either, because even though King is the legend, um, Candy Crush is the is the top dog. Call of Duty, even on mobile, brings in a ton of money. I'm positive of that. Yeah, and I, I've never even tried it or seen it played, but I can't imagine... Dude, you could hook a controller to it. I'm pretty well, that's sure. That's what I was just going to say. I can't imagine playing it without a controller, but I know that when Call of Duty Mobile started, that was definitely more of a prevalent thing. Man, I remember seeing old Fortnite videos, <laughs> like people instructing people how to play Fortnite on their phone. And it was like, use this little thing and, and attach a piece of tinfoil so it'll touch the screen. And, <laughs> and it's like, now we just have like, you know, regular ass controllers that you would use on a console right. uh, able to be, you know, hooked into a, to a, uh, a phone. So the the phone manufacturers were no dummies when they started making it part of the the OS to just be able to hook your uh hook your old controller straight up to the bluetooth and and get a ripen so smart move there for sure and and i assume that will help in the future cater to more mobile game profits as well wild stuff i guess i was just you you hear a lot more about console gaming I guess I'm just, I don't know. I've been a PC gamer for a long time. I've, I play consoles, obviously, but I just, I guess I didn't expect that it was doing better money than all the other consoles combined for certain games because you don't hear about it as much. And the other thing is you don't really have like the fanboy wars when it comes to PC. I mean, there is the the meme of the, the PC master race, which I guess maybe isn't as much of a meme as I was alluding to there, but like nobody's fighting over what what motherboard you're using or what mouse you're. I mean, I'm sure there are some people fighting over <laughs> that, but you know, you have Xbox versus PlayStation, and really, PC is just like get shit on, dude. And like, you know, making more money than you. You know what's funny though is if these are the numbers for this, just imagine the Steam numbers. Could you even imagine? Yeah, these are just I, the numbers I, for oh, for Activision. I know. And, and oh granted, God. they don't at least right now, the majority of their releases are not on Steam or at least not solely on Steam. Right. You know, they're they're through through a battle net. Right. Which is changing. I don't know if you have that in here, but I don't have that in here. We can talk about it briefly here. Yeah, I was going to say go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, I was going to say I saw that um, Overwatch, among a couple other things, I didn't see what else was coming. I said Overwatch was the most notable thing in my mind was coming to Steam. Um, and they like openly acknowledge that engagement um, and uh, player spending is down. Like they, it must be pretty bad if like they're willing to outright just say that. Yeah. Um, companies don't, even at their worst, usually don't come out and say, hey, this is what's happening. Um, so for them to say that is 
I think it's pretty bad. Um, and for a good reason. I mean, we've talked about it enough on the show to not need to talk about it again, but um, I guess it'll get it in, it in more people's hands. Um, I didn't hear anybody complaining that uh, Overwatch wasn't on Steam, but I mean, who knows? I, it, it'll probably bring in some people. I don't know how many, but yeah. I know we have a few friends and there are many people out there who won't use other launchers, really, like yeah. people who are totally against the Epic Game Store. But for a long time, yeah, if you wanted to play Overwatch or WoW or Diablo or Call of Duty on PC, you pretty much had to have Battle.net. And that, it was either that or you didn't play the game. So it'll yeah. certainly bring it to more people's hands. I'm curious to see what happens to Battle.net when the acquisition goes through and all that stuff you know, fully gets changed over. But I don't know. I've never had a problem with downloading an extra. It's just literally another click of a button on my PC. Yeah. I don't really care. And I am interested to see... Um, how they'll handle uh, open reviews, you know, because Steam, you can actually review games. and That's true. Um, I, s- I saw someone say yeah. about that, like, because you could issue refunds on Steam and you can review games on Steam, something that you can't do as easily on Battle.net. So. Yeah, I would. I agree. But also, like, none of the games on Battle.net are games that, like, you can really have your fill of in two hours, which is what the Steam return policy is. Fair enough. So, like, yeah, there there is a case that there will be more refunds than before, but like, I don't know if I'm playing two hours of World of Warcraft, then I'm probably not hurting anything by refunding it. I guess. True. Yeah, I don't know, because you're not really getting your fill. Dave, anything else to say on the on the PC making more money, the the different launchers, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, nothing really to add. Um, wild stuff. Lots of money being thrown around. Um, don't feel bad about buying something on sale, fellas, especially if it's uh, from Activision Blizzard. They're they're doing just fine. They're doing yeah. fine. Hit up that Green Man Gaming. Don't worry about that. Dude, City Keys. That CD is the, keys. that is the shit. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of them out there that are pretty good. Spend twenty it. bucks on an indie game, people. Dude, fuck, oh, absolutely. Fuck Bobby. <laughs> My Bobby hate will go strong every week. Let's go. You might not have to worry about him much longer. We'll see. That's He'll the be out there on his yacht hanging out. Number two, uh, and I'll, I'll give a little prelude to this. Initially, uh, sometime last week, last weekend, there was a screenshot from a document or a um, a support ticket or something like that where people were trying... Something was happening with Ubisoft PC launcher and somebody was like asking the question and Ubisoft basically responded and was like, as long as you sign in in the designated time frame, you know, you'll be able to keep your games. If you let your account go stagnant, then we'll just delete your account and all the games you purchased. And that was legitimately just what it said. Like, obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said your account, if you don't sign in for long enough, will just go away. So number two, Ubisoft has now clarified that the rumor about deleting inactive accounts and permanently destroying digital game libraries is false. Users game users game libraries are safe, even if their accounts are inactive. The initial panic was caused by a legitimate email notification sent to some users about temporary suspension and potential account closure due to inactivity. However, Ubisoft has clarified that users won't lose their purchase games forever and the digital libraries will be preserved. Dave, you're not involved yet because you are a digital Chad that does not need our attention at the moment. But Brandon, Ubisoft show and the Ubisoft show, (laughs) (laughs) you're just playing right into their hands. But Brandon, I know you care a lot about physical games obviously we're talking about pc games here mostly right and there aren't really you know as we discussed 
many physical PC games floating around these days. So I don't know. I just this is just another opportunity to talk about the the virtues of physical games and in an environment like PC where we can't have physical games or we don't have physical games. I guess we could, but who wants them? Uh, you know, we get to uh, to see the potential Ubisoft making a, a complete ass of themselves by yeah. either in errant, either errant messaging or a, a rapid change of their approach to things when they saw blowback. Yeah. No, I mean, the, over and over again, we talk about it on the show. It's just like digital games. You don't do you really own them? Right. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think Ubisoft is going to go anywhere, but let's say Ubisoft close tomorrow. Where would your games be? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's something that we never really think about in the moment, but it's just the reality of the video game world that we live in. Um, you know, moreover, there's something to be said about games that are always online. It's like, do you even own those games if you're not online? Like, because you can't play them. Right. You know what I mean? So it's an entire thing and it's <laughs> this medium is going in that direction more and more. And it is concerning in many ways for exactly the reasons like this. Um, I thought this whole Ubisoft thing they said was like for some law reason that they had to get rid of inactive accounts or something. But even that, that may have been the case, even that being said, it just is the scary reality of the world we live in. Um, you must always be online and you must uh, hope that the company that you bought them from um, never ceases to exist or never decides to delist or get rid of what you have. Um, and that's about all you can hope for. Uh, so another argument towards physical games, um, it just goes grows stronger every day. I mean, these companies never cease to amaze me. Um, and if Ubisoft is doing something like this, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a similar protocol um, in other companies as well. Even if it's an error, I'm sure there's a, a shred of truth here uh, to be had. So. Dave, I was, you know, giving you shit about about all that other stuff. I, I know that you are a proponent of being able to keep your games uh, and don't want them to go away. But what do you think about, you know, it, like Brandon says with Ubisoft, if you buy them through their launcher and Ubisoft closes down, you no longer have those games, even if they're single player. Yeah, that that would not be good. Um, but to kind of highlight a point that brandon brought up like so many games we play these days are dependent on online connectivity so even if you had a physical version of a game you'd probably still be in that situation with a lot of the games we play yeah um and you know we've also talked about before about how the disc you own like there's in a lot of cases there's not much on there except access to a server somewhere um, but I mean i'm with you guys i i don't like the idea that a a a publisher could pull the rug out under you just because of inactivity. Um, just this week, I, I randomly pulled up my Steam and I was looking through my library of games that I owned but didn't have installed. And there was a lot of games on there that I don't even remember purchasing. I have Dead Space, like the original one, uh -huh. um, that I can just install and play. And I don't normally play games like that. I normally play them to completion, uh, maybe check them out a couple more times, and then I delete them uh, and rarely go back. Um, so, I mean, this, this doesn't bother me like from the way that I play games and like, I don't really collect, but like from a principal standpoint, I think, you know, just having the ability to, to go back and have the opportunity to replay an old game or just jump in is, is something, 
you know, we should all have the opportunity to do on a perpetual basis. But the simple fact is, is these games, you don't physically own them and they could disappear anytime. Um, and it's just, it, it's going to happen sooner or later. Like one of these publishers is going to go bankrupt or something. And then the question yeah. is, is okay, that's fine. Where's all my stuff. Right. <laughs> uh, we see it in music too. And, 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 and movies as well. So, I mean, there's going to be precedence at some point and it's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of works out. But, um, yeah, I don't know if you, if you, if you've ever signed up for a launcher that you don't normally use very much, like whether it be Epic or Ubisoft or steam or, I, I'm going to go through my, the PlayStation store because I'm sure there's games that I bought that I completely forgot about that I'm going to see and be like, <laughs> I would like to play that and I can install it because, you know, I still own it, but right. I don't really own it, right? Yeah. The thing I wonder about with this story was like, did Ubisoft get caught with its pants down or was it legitimately a miscommunication or a misunderstanding of this support ticket? Um, I, I seem to, and again, I'm biased because I'm the Ubisoft shill, but I seemed this this sounds like it was something that was blown out of proportion a little bit. And and you know, this was something that was just misinterpreted and Ubisoft wasn't actually saying that when we delete your account, your games go with it. There must have been some kind of misunderstanding. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Was this was this did Ubisoft get caught here? Yeah, I, I mean I'd like to agree with you, Dave, and I and I think ultimately you're probably correct. I saw the the message and I can't I can't find it here really quickly, but I saw the message and it was pretty finite or definitive. That was like, yeah, as long as you sign into your account, you can keep access to your games. If you don't, you will, they will be gone. Basically. Did it look like a copy and paste? Like, yeah, 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 very much. No, it was like an email. Like, Uh, I think it was telling them like your account's about to go inactive. Make sure you sign in. I guess like that's what it was. Like a template, I guess. Yeah. A template. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like to a specific person, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be like them to wouldn't be unlike them to, I guess, need to double back once they got the bad PR. But no, yeah. nothing would really surprise me. And the uh, the need uh, to collect vintage games that run offline grows every day. Um Dave, funny, you, were, I, you were on to something about the 360 games, I think, a bit, Dave, yeah. uh, about collecting things uh, and uh, them being a commodity. So It would have been a big dick move by Ubisoft if if their uh, their PR response to this was just nothing is true, but everything is permitted. <laughs> it, it is interesting because I, I saw a uh, there was a game that was on sale recently on the Xbox store, and it was from the Xbox 360 generation. And I was like, oh, man, I need that. I should, I got to get that. It's, you know, it's like $2 or something. I think it was like, I don't know, it was an RPG of some sort. I don't even remember what it was. This has been a month or two ago now. And I clicked on it and went and signed in. And it was like, you already own this. And I was like, oh, what? I don't remember getting this. It, it was probably on games with gold or something back when games with gold was actually good way back in the day. Or maybe I did buy it and never played it. I don't know. But I went and looked and it was like, I bought it in like 2009. And I'm like, wow, 15, Jesus. almost 15 years and they still know I own that game. That's kind of nice. <laughs> what you need to do is is if if you're at a garage sale or a vintage game shop or something, if you can find one of the earlier model Xbox 360s, take it home, plug it in, do not update it so you get the blades, the old yeah. blade system, yeah, and then chuck in Lost Planet or something like that and you'll be right <laughs> yeah. back to the teenage days. But yeah, we got to get on stuff. that. <laughs> yep. I imagine you could probably reset your 
Like if you had a 360, you could probably reset it back to factory settings. I think. I don't know. Maybe the firmware updates. But anyway, number three. The fan remake of The Simpsons Hit and Run has been completed uh, almost a year after the project began last year. The developer has shared a total of eight videos documenting the development process, covering aspects like the open world, vehicles, characters, AI, traffic system, visuals, game activities, and VR implementation. However, due to copyright issues, the fan remake will not be available for download. The original game released in 2003 was an action-adventure game developed by Radical Entertainment and inspired by the popular American animated sitcom, The Simpsons. Players join the Simpson family and their friend, the Pooh, on a thrilling journey to uncover peculiar incidents happening in their hometown, Springfield, leading to an alien conspiracy. The gameplay revolves around exploration, missions, high-speed races, and interacting with supporting characters to complete time quest. It was originally available on GameCube, PS2, and Xbox, with the Windows version coming a few months later. I wanted to bring this up just because I think it's awesome, and I love the Simpsons Hit and Run, and I've really been looking for a modern way to play this. I think I asked... I don't know, maybe like close to two years ago and multiple times since then in a big discord I'm in, like, is there anywhere I can play this game? And people were like, yeah, get the disc and you can play it. I was like, yeah, I know, but I want like to be able to play it on a modern console without digging through my closet. But anyway, uh, Dave, I was wondering what you thought about this. If you ever played the Simpsons hit and run, do you think that eventually the guy who did this fan remake will get, you know, quote hacked and the, the, the ROM will leak out to everyone to be able to play it. Uh, what do you think is going to end up happening here? And how do you feel about it? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know who owns the video game rights to the Simpsons. Um, do you guys know by any chance? Uh, no, but I can look real quick while you're talking. We don't really see many Simpsons video games anymore. Um, but whoever owns the rights, I would pay attention to what kind of traction this story gets online, whether it be on Reddit or forums or anything like that, just because it's, it's a good cheap, well, it's a free way to gauge. It's EA. It seems like it's EA. Okay. So, I mean, there's a way just to gauge interest on how many people actually want this. And if, if, if this game's made, you could just kind of pay this person to release it or you release it on their behalf. Um, But I, I don't know. I, I do remember this game. I remember liking it. I also recently saw it on uh, a list uh, video of, of games you think you remember were good, but were actually not good. Oh, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, I did play on an emulator like a year ago and it was fun. It's not that it was like a bad game or something, but it's just like the controls have an age well, stuff like that. But it was just funny to see and nostalgic. But yeah, I don't know. I hope EA pays attention to this because, um, you know, this is a game that gets talked about a lot. And there are a lot of Simpsons games uh, from the past. And this is the one that really sticks out for people. Um, so I don't know, boys, maybe there's a chance that we do get an actual release of this game, uh, at some point in the near future, because yeah, it seems a lot of people want this. A lot of people, you're not the only one, Ben, there's, there's other hit and run <laughs> there fans dozens of there. us. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, uh, any love for the Simpsons hit and run? I've never played it. I, I think I might've rented it once back in the day when renting, uh, physical video games for the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm with Dave. Coming soon to next-gen consoles, Simpsons Hit and Run with Battle Pass. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're asking for, Ben. That's what's going to happen if it's that's EA. Fine. I'll, do, I'll take it. With skins and all, dude, just yeah. for you. I can see I, it now. I want Bart wearing the Butterfinger outfit. You know? <laughs> that might actually say. be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, a game like this, if they just put it out the way it was right. and didn't update anything, but they wanted to monetize it somehow, sell the game for 20 bucks. Or 40, whatever, monetize it however you feel like. 
I, I don't have to buy the, the you know the, the monetizable things, but um, I would totally play just just a modern way to play the old game. Uh, and maybe there is now. Uh, when I when I looked into it a while back, there wasn't. So I definitely did not just. I mean, I have I have the original game. I just don't have the bandwidth to dig through my closet and uh, and pull out all the old <laughs> stuff right now. I think it came out on the original Xbox, right? I think that's where I have it. Sounds right. I don't even think it was 360 because that wouldn't be that hard. And I don't think that it's available to purchase digitally or if it was, it wasn't backwards compatible on series. So I didn't bother because again, I would have, I could have just pulled out my old system and played the game. So yeah, I would not doubt though that uh, this somehow leaks out to the public and people get to experience it. And chances are, unless EA is planning on pursuing an, a remake of it or a sequel or something, they're not going to do anything. But of course this guy, you know, this person who remade the game, cannot i'm sure cannot release it because they will be uh they've probably already gotten cease and desist letters and they were like i'm not doing anything illegal so (laughs) it's not to the public come at me bro yeah number four our favorite topic techland the polish studio known for its zombie and survival games including dying light and the dead island series is set to become a subsidiary of tencent the billion dollar chinese holding company that owns or has stakes in various game studios like riot and epic Techland CEO stated that teaming up with Tencent will accelerate the execution of their vision for their games. While Techland released a much anticipated Dying Light 2 Stay Human last year, they also faced internal struggles with some employees departing the company. Tencent is one of the world's largest video game companies and has a diverse portfolio, including successful titles like Honor of Kings, Call of Duty Mobile, and PUBG Mobile. While the acquisition seems like, and by the way, everything else as well. While the acquisition seems like positive news for Techland, recent trends in the industry suggest that acquiring game studios may not always lead to long-term success. Embracer Group, for example, which owns various studios, including Gearbox Entertainment and Crystal Dynamics, recently announced a restructuring plan that involves pausing development on certain games, selling off studios, and laying off many employees. Dave, another one bites the dust. Techland, Tencent, how do you feel? I saw Tencent in your write-up, and I was like, man, it's been a while since we talked about a a Chinese acquisition. But uh, So I guess we can talk about it because we've had a bit of a break. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the last time we talked about uh, an acquisition like this, we kind of looked at it in a generally favorable point of view because, you know, when you have a a medium-sized developer, I I think Techland's probably more on the larger size. A medium-sized developer get uh, acquired like this than... You know, they have access to so many more resources financially and, and so many more distribution and marketing channels. So it can be a good thing. I think for a developer the size of Techland, this could I, I, I don't see this going as favorably as as some of the previous acquisitions. The biggest thing for me is I feel like Techland has kind of underperformed ever since the first Dead Island. I think that's um, true. Yeah. Under delivered a little bit. And, you know, when, you, when you're in an acquisition like this from a company like Tencent, which has been doing so much of these acquisitions, Techland's, um, you know, future becomes a part of an operational plan. So, you know, what, what happens with them in the future is, is just a piece of Tencent's puzzle, which in some cases might not be favorable for them. So I don't see this going as well as some of the other acquisitions that we've discussed in the last little while. Um, you know, I do like Techland. Uh, I would like to see them do something other than, you know, zombie open world, which I'm sure they have the ability to do so. So maybe Tencent pushes them in that direction, uh, rather than kind of milking existing IPs, 
Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But if I had to gamble, I'd say this probably isn't the best for Techland uh, long term. But again, time will tell. Brandon, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with Dave, to be honest with you. Um, I think that uh, with some of the news coming out of Tencent, um, some of the disappointing news with layoffs, um, I think that it can't be good. Um, they'll probably get dissolved or pushed to do something that they don't really have much passion in. Um, I'm really hoping that they remaster Pure Farming 2018 um, because that was their absolute certified banger. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking this is this is a bad play um, for them. I mean, I guess it's good for their investors. I'm sure they made a lot of money. Um, but the people on the ground, I don't think are going to be um, in the net positive here. I think it's probably negatively going to affect them quite a bit. So it's unfortunate to see, but this is the way things go. Um, and it's no, it's nothing new um, that this sort of thing keeps happening over and over again. So um, I don't know. I don't know that the success of Dead Island 2 um, would be enough to kind of keep the the wheels turning. Um, they don't have the biggest library. Um, so I'm in agreement with Dave as well. I think that this is overall bad. Well, I don't think that, um, and so I agree with your overall point. I don't think that Dying Light 2 did terribly well. I mean, it was well received, but it didn't, I don't think it sold a lot of copies. And um, oh, did I say Dead Island? You said Dead Island, and they did work on the first Dead Island, but I just wanted That's to clarify what it was. That it Dying was, Light 2, right? Yeah, right. it was handed off. I don't know that after the initial start of it that they had much to do with it. I'm looking at the, the wiki right now. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think their name's not even listed anywhere in the credits. So it would surprise me if they did. But um, even if they did, even though that game sold appreciably, like there's a lot more time that went into it than they made back, I'm sure. But Overall, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I was not surprised to see this because they are an underperforming studio, but they have a lot of talent, and they have a couple IT, IPs that people like. So, you know, that's perfect acquisition target. Lots of talent. Uh, I would assume low cost because of their location in Poland, and you know, games that sell decently at the very least. Uh, that's the perfect acquisition target for. Well, anyone, but especially for Tencent. So it's uh, I don't like to see it because I even though I was not like a, a gigantic fan of their games. I mean, I played the original Dead Island. I played the sequel or maybe it was just like a DLC. I can't remember for sure. Um, I played I played Dying Light. I even played a little bit of Dying Light 2. I, I'm not a, a massive fan or anything, but I like them like I like their their tone. And so I hope that. I hope that they're able to just be an investment for Tencent and not get gobbled up by the machine like like you guys were saying. But I think you're probably right. I just hope that's not the case. Boys, that's really all the big news that we had for the week. But we do have quite a few different things here. I want to start off our conversation, though, talking about the uh, the ultimate banger of a game. Game Pass Day 1 release, Exoprimal. And Dave, you're really the one who pushed us to play this. Uh, you, you messaged us and said you got it. You and you and Brandon have played a little bit. Brandon, I think you've been playing quite a bit. I've only played a few hours, but uh, Dave, get us started on the conversation. What we've been playing, Exo Primal. Yeah, Exo Primal. Um, Primal. Lots of dinosaurs on screen at once. Um, lots of co-op third-person shooting. Um, yeah, I've I've probably played a little bit less than Brandon has, but 
Um, I think overall I want to keep playing. Um, I'm glad I got this on Game Pass. Um, it is, it's not quite a full price game. I think it's, it's $80 here in, in Canada and maybe $60 down there. So not quite full price, but it also isn't $20. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting game. It's, it's so, um, third person, uh, co-op shooter. Um, and it's, it's, it's always online. Like you're not playing this game solo. You're always playing in a group of, of five. So you have four other, um, players that are, are usually other real players that are, they are bots. Um, but yeah, you kind of work through these, these, um, dinosaur hunt style missions where you uh work through these kind of curated levels it's not open world or anything you're you're moved through the levels in in a specific fashion there's this like rogue ai that is 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 working you through these war games um what what really stood out for me was it it's while i say it's co-op it is technically pvp because there's another uh team of five that is is fighting sort of adjacent to you um as you're working through these missions and they're they're in a different instance and um and basically you're you're trying to fight through these hordes of dinosaurs faster than them um and what happens is you work through the first half of the mission um and then whoever kind of got to the end quicker they get a head start on the second half of the mission which can go one of two ways It, it can either be purely pvp or purely pve um, I think in most of the games that we played, we that second phase was PvP, which I loved. I, I really like that game mode. Basically, what happens is you have this like cube that you're trying to protect. Um, your team of five needs to stay close to it while also making sure that all the waves of dinosaurs that are coming in aren't attacking your cube too much. Um, and and the other group is actually in the same map as you and they can push forward and try and kind of screw with your progress you can do the same um but the coolest thing about this game is that final phase kind of converges in one spot and like the climax in this in these in these games are always so cool like i was saying to brandon um when we were playing that like the majority of the games i've played like i've gone into that second phase behind and we've ended up winning or vice versa. Like, you know, it seemed like it was a slam dunk. We were going to win. And then the actual final result is so much closer than it, than it actually was. Like the way the game is designed is in, in a really cool way where it kind of anything could happen, uh, depending on how you strategize and how your team is working together and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't know how, how, how long I'll kind of be into it. As I said last week, I, d- I did kind of get the sense that this game needs a couple more modes just to kind of keep it fresh. But overall, I mean, the first, you know, five, six, seven hours that I've played, I've, I've had a good time. So curious to hear what you guys think. Yeah, Brandon, uh, you've been uh, you've been sinking some time into this. How yeah. are you feeling? No, I, I'm really enjoying my time so far. Um, I think something this game does really, really well is like, Mostly the PvP I'm going to be talking about right now, because I agree with Dave. That is my favorite part of the whole experience, um, is like mastering the competitive feeling of competing against another team and constantly measuring yourself towards that other team, I think is something that this game does better than most games do. Um, The first instance you're in that David mentioned, you're occasionally seeing your progress 
they're like ghosts in the world with you. You could see how far you are compared to the other team. And it's constantly like pushing you forward to like keep going faster and keep competing. And I think that that's something that's super cool as someone who likes being competitive in a shooter to like constantly be being reminded like how you're doing is really, really interesting the way they integrated that. Um, and Overall, I mean, the mechs feel really cool. A lot of the mechs actually remind me of characters in other games. Um, the one healer that is on rollerblades moves exactly like Bayonetta when she shoots. Um, the sniper has like a charge up like Widowmaker on Overwatch. There's like a Reinhardt shield. So there's a lot of elements that kind of converge um, in this game. Um, and moreover, on the mechs, they feel pretty damn good. Um, playing them all all of them feel super unique um, and the gunplay feels good. Um, I agree with Dave. I think that it probably could get pretty tired after playing for a while. I think we had discussed it, but it's like 60 some missions to complete what the story is. I don't really want to touch too much on the story. I think that it's a nice addition, but I don't think it's necessary to enjoy the game necessarily. Um, But yeah, I mean, overall pretty good package. I don't know that, I would pay for it full price. Um, but ultimately I'm playing it on game pass and just really enjoying the time I have with it. Um, if it leaves game pass, I don't know that I'll stick around, but I'm certainly happy to be playing it now. So it's funny, Brandon, that you mentioned you didn't really want to get into the story much more. Cause my next question for Dave was about the story. Dave, when I, when I booted it up, uh, and we don't need to get like, you know, super specifics, but when I booted it up, you guys were already in a match and I, you know, you had to do like this tutorial before you can play. And I said, should I watch the cutscenes?" And, and Brandon was like, kind of like, eh, and Dave was like, absolutely not. So Dave, the, is the story bad or is it just totally inconsequential to the game? No, it's 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 Japanese. It's fine. Yeah. Um, wow, Dave. Wow. It's, <laughs> it's there. It's like they, they use a lot of like tired stereotypes and stuff. And I, I think the story setup, I do like the delivery. Not so much. Um, I guess just just kind of give you the elevator pitch. It's it's set in the year 2043. Um, you just start working for like this big tech conglomerate. Um, and, and you're, you're rolling with your new team and you get shot down on this, this, like this apocalyptic, apocalyptic island that's being run by this rogue AI, um, who sucks you into their like war games that like take you back into the future. Um, and then it just, you're just kind of left trying to figure out how you're going to repair your ship, get off the island. But you're also like working with these other survivors from like another, like um i don't know generation or something like that dimension yeah yeah dimension it's 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 weird there's a lot going on um but like it's 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 hard to feel connected because like you're not progressing through like um i don't know bookended sequences or anything like that like what you're what you're doing in the moment to moment gameplay feels kind of disconnected from what you're seeing in the cutscenes because you're kind of just repeating the same missions over again again they're fun that's what the game is but then these cutscenes kind of feel a little disconnected so as as brandon said like it's there do, do you need it not really but it i don't know i guess it adds a little bit of character to some of the things you're seeing but yeah I have uh, less time in this than both of you, but I have enough time to know that there's one thing I really don't like about it. And this seems to be a recurring thing 
first of all, I don't know. I probably played for three hours or so last night, which I know is not a long time, but it is it is enough time to get kind of what there, there was no time when I wasn't getting a new tutorial pop up or a new um, thing telling me what to do. I didn't like that. And then also every time you start a match, every single time you start a match, the AI comes out and tells you, here's how you play the game. Here's how here's what's going to happen. Here's the next thing. And it was just like, dude, I get it. And it's it's not that it's that long. It's probably like 30 seconds or so. It's just that it's completely pointless. And I suppose and, and I suppose it's even more pointless because right now there's only really one game mode. I mean, there are a couple of game modes like there's there's player versus player where you actually can fight each other. Um, and then there's just PVE where you're just like battling to finish the objectives faster than the other team. And I think there is a PVP component in that. But overall, like it's still basically one game mode. So maybe when they add more game modes, it will be helpful to know, like, because, you know, I, I might just hit random game mode and then hop in. and I don't know which one I'm playing, but like a simple banner would suffice, in my opinion. Yeah, I understand for your first match, you need some kind of guidance, obviously. But yeah, it's just really goofy. Um, the other thing that I don't know if I like or not, and I wanted to gauge you guys on this. There's a, a a function in the game where you're in the last mode and you can do the PvP and you can actually take over the body of a dinosaur and invade the other players. And we're no, you know, there's I'm not a stranger to invasion mechanics in games, but the way this does it is pretty interesting. And what I found was that maybe I'm just trash, but the dinosaur that you're controlling when you're going against the other players is very limited in its attacks, which I get it. It's a dinosaur. Like you only have two little short stubby arms as a T-Rex, whatever. But like there's also it's just very limited and kind of hard to control. Yeah. Brandon, I wondered how you felt about that as uh, somebody who likes invasion mechanics in games. Yeah, no, I I'm in agreement with you. I would imagine that they would be adding more dinosaurs um, as time went on. Um, but I will agree with you. The controls for the dinosaurs are incredibly basic um, and feel lo- incredibly um, unintuitive comparatively to the shooting mechanics. Um, I will say, though, I feel like it might be a matter of bad dinosaur controls and just not really getting it because there were a couple matches that had really good dinosaurs and they almost stun locked me like I I wish I was kidding. I didn't know if that happened to you guys at any point, but I could not move. I was trying to jetpack away, roll, whatever. Um, but I don't know that we quite got it, but I will agree with you generally. Um, I think that the dino is a cool mechanic. I just think that it might be a little bit underutilized, maybe. I don't know. What do you think, Yeah. Dave? Yeah, I agree. I do have to admit that I did not use that. Um, what's it called? It's the. It starts with a D. Yeah, something ability. I I didn't actually use that ability outside of the tutorial. I tried to do it once, and as soon as I summoned it, we lost the match. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I do think it's a really cool thing. It's something. It it really plays into the strategy because when you play the dominator, that's what it's called. Don- when you oh, play right, that right. dominator is is key, especially for that last um, sort of phase of of or sorry that last leg of the 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 second phase. Um, because if you use it at the right time, you can completely flip the the kind of momentum of a match so i do really like it um and again this is one of those things where it's like you know i'm gonna play a little bit more and then i'll move on to something else but if in a couple months like i see on reddit or something that like exoprimal has you know three new dinosaurs that you can control or 
um, you know, these are little things that can easily be added into the game that will definitely get me coming back. So I'm excited to see, as you said, Brandon, where they go with this, uh, because, you know, th- there is a lot of area in, for improvement, but a lot of potential here, especially with that mechanic. Yeah, I I think that's that's a pretty good, pretty good summation of it. Yeah, so it's definitely I think we all kind of agree, like it's great that it's on Game Pass, having fun playing with the buddies. Uh, it is not by any means a, uh, a a record breaker or a world shatterer or anything like don't pay $60 for this game, in my opinion, I think in all three of our opinions. But if you have Game Pass and you're going to fire something up, you're looking for something to play, it's fun. I would say that the best part about it is playing with buddies. And uh, of course, that's the only way I've played it so far. I can't imagine it being like a game can be fun, but it's really fun with friends like even Redfall, which was awful. When I was playing with you guys, I was like, yeah, it's kind of fun just get to hang out. <laughs> right. But I feel like that's one of those things where the the what was the dominator when you go and attack the other team. If you're playing with people you don't know and like the bad guy on your team just goes and like gets it before anybody else can and then, you know, blows blows the timing of it. And, you know, you can that can really turn a match one way or another, uh, especially when they're a healer and they go and decide to invade the other team and leave you all alone. So uh, <laughs> that's certainly a component to it as well. But uh, I don't know. We don't the three of us don't get to play games all three together terribly often. Um, but maybe uh, maybe if, if you're playing Exoprimal or you want to play Exoprimal and you're in the discord, hit us up. Let us know. Maybe we can uh, we can get a group together. Then you don't. I guess it's only teams of five. But even still, I can't imagine there's that many people playing Exo Primal right now. Uh, maybe we can hop in and have a full team and and hop in a Discord call or whatever and yeah, see how she goes. Yeah, that'd be great. Dave, we'll we'll continue with you. Um, give us a little update on what what else you've been playing this week. Uh, so I mentioned earlier in the show that I was randomly perusing my. Um, my steam library and and seeing that dead space was in there like i do want to play that game like the original so i think i'm going to go back and play that soon um but what i ended up just randomly jumping into uh was spongebob (laughs) this is a game that we kind of reviewed a little bit a a few months ago um yeah is bikini bottom i don't know what the thing is called but it's not the bikini bottom oh shit i can't remember the name of the game now cosmic shake <laughs> cosmic shake that's yeah it. yeah bikini cosmic bottom shake. was a previous one so i have never watched spongebob but when i played this game a few months back i remember like playing it and being like this is funny and i my wife is seven and a half months pregnant uh, so we're going to have a baby soon. So I'm going to have to start watching like kid shows. And I think I'm going to start with SpongeBob because this game is funny. Like it's really funny. And that's why I wanted to play it again. Cause I'm like, I want to laugh a little bit. I want to play a game that um, just doesn't, you know, I can switch my brain off. So randomly jumped into cosmic shake for like an hour or two. Uh, I think I'm going to play a little bit more. Um, yeah. I like this game. It's funny. Um the only Dave, other I, thing I just have to push back on one thing. Sure. Um, when when my kid was like a year or two old, we tried to all our all our friends who had kids were like, "Oh, you gotta you gotta check out uh, uh, Daniel Tiger." I was like, "All right, well, you know, it's a Mister Rogers thing, whatever." Until so we turned on Daniel Tiger, and my kid, who was like, like I said, maximum two, absolutely hated it. He hated Daniel Tiger. But we would watch Emily and I would watch Fringe, you know, like the the sci fi uh, you know show that's made for adults. And he would love it. Like he would laugh at Walter's face and everything. So maybe your kid won't just like little kid <laughs> stuff, you know, maybe you'll be able to watch like 
uh, like Game of Thrones with your kid. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to stay away from like Paw Patrol and Peppa Pig and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I know those are the big ones that drive people crazy. So if we can find something like, you know, when the Chicago <laughs> Bears play on Sunday, like that's what she's watching. She's already got her outfit. But maybe outside of that, if she can be a SpongeBob girl, right. then, uh, you right. know, daddy and, and, and daughter can kind of enjoy that together. But there's plenty of SpongeBob to choose from for sure. Dave, we shall see. Dave, watch original SpongeBob, like from the beginning, the later stuff can't speak on it, but the beginning stuff is gold. Sure. Trust. Like, Trust. like almost every animated Trust. series. Yeah. I will report back. Thank you. Um, the only other thing I've been playing is Gran Turismo seven. Um, last week I said, I, I revealed to the world, my, my updated, um, goal, which uh, if I'm to report right now, I think I may have made a mistake, but it's locked in. So, <laughs> look yeah, out, Redfall. These these um, these online time trials are hard. Like I've been trying the the Magior um, time trial for pretty much the whole week, and I I can't get better than a bronze time. I'm getting very close to silver. But it's it expires tomorrow. Oh, no. So yeah, oh, I gotta no. and it's so tough because it's like it's I was saying last week that this particular time trial is cool because you can choose any GT three car as long as it's got racing medium tires. Um and I'm watching all the top times that are in the Supra and I, I'm watching the laps and I'm loading up the ghost and I'm following them. I my best time and my best performance is coming in like a, a fucking touring uh m3 um and i just i i i don't know i can't i can't break through that ceiling i may play a little bit more tonight but i think the best i can do on this one is a silver so i don't know um arcane if you can figure it out in the next few months because uh, i might be in trouble here <laughs> please for dave but come on I'm, I'm gonna keep trying and there's there's a new uh online time trial um at a spa with uh with like an um an f1 red bull junior car which they're always fun to drive so i'm gonna jump into that maybe tomorrow um but yeah we shall see I, i'll continue to report on this as i as i play them but uh might be a tough few months for me that's for sure Brandon, you're up. Um, so playing a little bit of Exo Primal, and I tried. I see that you tried it as well, Ben. Spoiler alert! But I tried yeah. the Crew um, Motorfest, um, and um, yeah, I, I don't know about this, guys. I've yeah. I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks how I'm so starved and hungry for new racing content, and this should have been the thing, right? Like it's a new game. I could play it on my PlayStation, but it just wasn't it. Um, I tried the crew two and didn't really enjoy it. Um, when I tried it, it was kind of old. Uh, this one seems to be a pretty big step up in a lot of ways, um, but still kind of falls short in many other ways. Um, I think the best way for me to describe this game is that it tries to do so much of what everyone asks, and it does a lot of that. Um, just not, very well i feel like it cast its net very wide um but not very deep um so i don't know something about it didn't feel right to me um there was a couple things um like the drag race mechanic was kind of cool um i like that the controller lit up whenever you were revving your car at the beginning of the match um the map is kind of cool um you can like zoom in and out it's like a satellite but if you noticed, I'm not mentioning anything that's like meaningful about the game that I enjoyed. Um, I feel like there's a complete lack of 
um, almost appreciation or love for the cars. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's no garage mechanic. Like you can edit your cars in the menu, um, which is very strange to me. Um, and, you know, maybe that would be cool to some people. I think that this game will be perfect for people that just want to just actually purely have fun just driving a car. But I want to build these cars. I want to, you know, know what I'm putting into them. Um, I want to know the rims I'm putting on it. I want to know the body kit I'm putting on it um, because I care about the cars. And obviously driving is a bonus and that's a lot of fun, but I love the car aspect of car games. Like that's the whole point. Um, so it kind of takes it in an arcadey direction that I don't really understand. Um, I guess moreover, the driving feels very strange to me. Having come off the heels of playing um, Gran Turismo 7, um, it's understandable why it feels weird, but I'm also off the heels of playing a lot of Forza recently, which is also more arcadey than Simi. Um, so it straddles a weird line for me. Um, and I think that if you're looking for a pure, fun experience where you don't really care much about what you're doing or the cars themselves, I think many people will enjoy it. Um, but it's just strange. It's very strange to me in a lot of ways, and I'm not not interested in it at all. Um, and uh, yeah, Ben, I want to kind of want to hear what, what, yeah. what you what you think. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely much more into car games, racing games than I am. But I thought like, oh, okay, this is supposed to be more arcadey experience. I really like like Forza Horizon and stuff like that. So maybe I'll be able to get into this. You know, it's not quite the sim that a lot of a lot of racing games are. And I think just pretty much it was everything you said. Too much of an arcade game. Too much of just like, oh, click the thing with the higher stats and oh, dude, you'll, get, you'll be better. I forgot about that. And it, like, not only can you edit your cars, there's no garage, but the performance parts are RNG based. Yes. They're based off of your races. You just like right. get them and it did like... It, there's no significance as to what you're putting in. It's just like a purple part or it's a blue yeah. part with a stat. It's it's yeah. awful. And I mean, this is a beta, but I really doubt that at this point it's so close to release that they're going to change much of that kind of thing. Yeah, but I would agree with you. Like, I like racing games because I like to race, but I also like the feeling of constantly essentially leveling up, like almost like a, a racing RPG, if you would. Uh, that's what we need. I've got Dave the Diver, which is a fishing RPG. The now racing, I need a racing RPG. RPG. Yeah, but no, I, I agree with pretty much every point you made. Uh, I would say that it was the dialogue was like a little bit cringy. I don't was, know what it is with every every car game, even the ones I like, constantly needing while you're driving to have the announcer be like, "Oh, right, that was a great turnaround that track," and I'm like, "Leave me alone, dude." This oh, look, we can't. You can't let those guys beat you. Hurry up. And I'm like, I'm not in a, in our, a literal arcade machine at CC's Pizza that I'm playing for a dollar. Like, just let me race the car and be a driver. And I know that some like, you know, you don't have that as much in like Gran Turismo and stuff like that. I, I get it. And, and I do have Gran Turismo. I should probably play it. You should play it. But yeah. it it was egregious. I will agree. Um, yeah. Fort, Forza has that a tiny bit, but they were talking constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it this was, is yeah, it was it, it's definitely not going to be a game that I mean, I'm already not leaning towards that. But hey, it was a beta. It was it was free to check out for a couple of days and I thought I'll jump in. But no, I, I'm glad that I'm not like I, that. I wasn't looking forward to it because yeah. I definitely would not have been after the after it. And I also would say that, like, 
yeah, maybe it was just because of the beta, but I found the menus, maybe maybe like certain parts of them were locked out, but the menus themselves, aside from being uninteresting and just being able to like click on this thing with higher stats, I was like, well, I want to go up and like look at my character. Why can't yeah. I do that? Yeah, And I think you can at certain points, but like not all the time. Yeah. So there was just a lot of stuff about it that I wasn't a fan of. I will say that the cars handled okay. Uh, definitely not the best I felt, but not... Not like so terrible that I couldn't drive like I've had some games be, but not good enough to feel like with with all the other stuff that I didn't like that the racing was good enough to keep me there. For right. Sure. Yeah. I honestly almost felt that it didn't matter what car I was driving. They no, all drove exactly the same. They were I just agree. faster or slower. And, and that, some of them didn't have NOS. And that was like disgusting to me. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, it does a lot of things. You can drive a boat, you can drive a bike, you can drive a plane. I would rather have done none of that if the driving was better. Um, I so will agree with you takeaway. about the drag race mechanics. I like the drag racing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially because I was playing on my scuff controller and I have, you know, the back buttons mm-hmm. or the, the back paddles essentially. Oh, and yeah. it was cool just to be able to like slap that paddle and kick it down into a different gear. That Absolutely. was fun, but that kept my attention for about, a minute and a half. Yeah. And one more thing. I don't I don't want to beat it at a horse here, but let's do it. Let's you can it. buy everything in the game with real money. You can. Performance parts, you can you can like buy packs to get the RNG packs to get new oh. performance parts with actual money. Wow. So okay. that's that's kind of the whole ecosystem that we're working in. That's just kind of strange to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And uh, just to kind of transition into my next point here, it depressed me so fucking much to play this beta that I went <laughs> and bought the Forza Horizon Hot Wheels uh, oh, DLC. Dude, it's so good. I know. I know. It's so good. I played it on um, Forza Horizon 3 also at a Hot Wheels DLC. Um, that was really, really good. I loved it back then. Um, and so I got that and I got the rally pack as well, which I'm really excited about. Um, after playing dirt five, which I thought was a pretty good game overall. I'm still more of a Forza guy. Um, love, love, love the Forza series. Um, so I'm looking forward to checking the rally out, but the, the hot wheels DLC, Ben talked about it back in the day. Um, I know our buddy Justin has played it. It is really fucking awesome. Um, super cool to be up in the sky on the big, uh, orange tracks. Um, I played with hot wheels. We always used to get every year for Christmas. We got hot wheels cars in our stockings and we still do actually every single year. It's like a tradition that my parents never, um, thankfully never let go of cause I love it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just just super awesome to not only be playing an amazing game, um, but be running around on a Hot Wheels track at the same time. So nice. Yeah, cool. As for me, uh, I mentioned Exoprimal, talked about the Crew Motorfest beta. And then uh, the only other real things that I've been playing are things I've been playing for a while. Except I will say that with Dave the Diver, uh, I opened up another new mechanic a couple hours after I talked about the last mechanic opening up. Nice. And... I don't know how much more of this there's going to be. I don't really, I guess I didn't really see these coming either, but I certainly don't know what else could be coming, but it's, I've played games like this where you're like, wow, I'm 20 hours into the game and they just showed me a brand new thing I can do. That's kind of annoying with this game. I don't feel that. Like, I feel like I'm at the perfect place for this to make sense and for it to get introduced and really enjoy, um, enjoy the experience and like, it's integrated into the story pretty well, and it's also inter- integrated into the different mechanics of the game. I will say the one thing I was getting kind of, uh, I, I don't want to say disappointed, but 
there was a point where it was like, okay, well, it's probably going to take you a couple days to get enough money together to buy a better suit so you can dive deeper. Uh, turns out I've been playing this game too thoroughly and had already progressed three suits past that. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, well, I just jumped into the water and went and did that mission. So maybe that was an attempt to make it a little grindier, which I don't think this game needs grind. Um, and, and maybe I'm wrong about what their intention was, but so, but that was one of those things where I was like, oh, wow, maybe I've been playing. I've like been diving too deep for too long. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, playing too much in between matches, but I know I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's super, super charming. And um, I'm really excited to, to wrap that up. And then I just, uh, just received it, got it um, a little bit before the show, but I'm going to be checking out remnant two and i've never played remnant the You're original gonna, you bought that i never played yeah i never played um uh remnant from the ashes was it from the ashes i think i'm gonna buy that today actually as well so okay i'm really i never sad. played the original but oh. this one's getting such good marks that i was like well i gotta check it out oh i hate you guys i was trying to avoid this because i don't <laughs> dude, have the money but dude <laughs> it, it looks so fucking cool i've been watching distortion I, so play I, it. I have played uh the first one i played 10 15 hours uh i really wish i'd finished it but it's it's a really good game um yeah. yeah you guys are gonna like it brandon i'm surprised you haven't played it it's 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 a solid like souls like it's it's good i knew nothing yeah. about it until the second one and it looks right up my alley so i didn't mean to derail you ben but I'm, no, that, I, that's that's all i had to say about it i'm just i just got it oh like, dude but ago, i'm so. super excited because the co-op like we got to check it out yeah do you know if it is it just two-player co-op or is it i think it's i saw seen dis- three people play together yeah i was gonna well, say there we I, go. I i saw distortion at least playing with two people so yeah cool well i think that's about it that's all we got for this week um don't forget check out the patreon at patreon.com slash handsome phantom we appreciate your support over there as little as a dollar a month ad free early access and of course the discord you can hang out with us there chat about stuff and hey maybe you could even be lucky enough to play exo primal with us we'd appreciate it I guess. Uh, (laughs) Until next week. Thank you very much. See you next time. Bye. The HP podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O., Rainick, Christian Snow, Grabalicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles.